another cold, windy, soon to be traffic filled day. This is gonna be a bad recording. <laughs> it's gonna sound like shit. I got the uh, settings changed on my microphone a bit, so we'll see. We'll see if it helps. It's really windy. I should not be recording right now, but fuck it. I gotta walk across this bridge. It's gonna be miserable. So if I record a little podcast, maybe it'll just get my mind off of it. Because basically, I had a real short episode last time, and this is also going to be pretty short. But I just kind of wanted to kind of refute everything that I said in the last one. <laughs> it's just a good example of what a weird discipline it is, how abstract it is to try to write a novel. Because I was real worried about stuff last time that none of it... I've already solved it. It's like, oh, cool, awesome. And in a way, that is just kind of the life of the writer in general, right? It's like, every day you're throwing yourself off the cliff, and every day you're just hoping that you can fly. And there's no way around it, and that's just what you gotta do over and over and over. You just gotta try to believe in yourself God damn it, this is cold. Even though there's, you know, limits to the amount of preparation you can do and limits to the amount of, uh, like, demonstrable trust in yourself. Like, you could never prove to somebody why they should believe in you. Because there's just, there's only so much you can show. You just gotta be able to do it. God damn it. This is like, my brain won't even work. It's so windy and cold. Why am I doing this? Just fucking say it. Just say it. <laughs> All this fucking trying to find fancy pants ways to say shit. Why? What's the point? Just say it. So last episode, I was talking about how I'm coming up to this point in the book where my notes are very underdeveloped. Insufficient seeming notes for this part in the book that's coming up. And I was saying how my little daily thing I do where I just uh, come up with an idea for a future story, just some story I'm not working on. I was going to shift that plan and re-marshal those resources toward coming up with ideas for the current story, for the current part in the current story. But already I just, uh, false alarm, I don't have to do that because <laughs> it's already all sorted out where it's this huge storm. Like, I really shouldn't be out here today. This is ridiculous. This is like one of the worst storms there's been here in a long time happened yesterday. Oh, Jesus, like, I don't know though. I still feel like this is not as bad as it has been here. I mean, there's a lot of snowfall, but the coldness, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is 10 out of 10 shitty. But it's been 12 out of 10 shitty before. So yesterday I couldn't really leave the house. Businesses were all closing down and stuff. There was nowhere to go for my normal daily thing of just going to a coffee shop and working. Because I just, uh, I don't like working at home. It's not comfortable to me. So I was stuck at home. I managed to fish a drink. Holy shit. I managed to fish a drink out of my mom's 
Christmas stash. She always gets a bunch of booze for Christmas and never drinks it. So I had a drink, just one, but enough to kind of loosen me up from the stir craziness of just being stuck at home all day. And then I also, I kind of just like put on some like YouTube videos to play in the background while I wrote, which is not, not normal. Usually I listen to music, but to watch a video at the same time as I write, that's very uncommon because obviously it's not good for concentration, you know? But yesterday I kind of wanted that. I just wanted to draw my mind away from my situation of like, I'm stuck in the house, feels all weird. I didn't get to drink any coffee. I felt just bad. And it's like, God damn it. I got to sit down and face down this part of this book that's all fucked up and that I don't know what I'm going to do. So it kind of seemed better to come at it sideways, you know, make it as casual as possible. Like whatever, I'm not even writing, I'm not even really focused on this. I'm barely giving a fuck about this at all. I've just got YouTube playing and I'm just kind of, whatever, picking away at shit as I sit here. And I started writing and it just like, a bunch of stuff just kind of clicked. And I wrote a big draft of how one of the major chapters, the kind of major point of this whole section is gonna happen. I got like halfway through it and I kind of knew where it was gonna go, but I'm like, hey, good enough. I got started. And then today I just sat down and finished writing it. And I figured out how it's all gonna connect and all this shit. And I'm just like, nice. Like I was so, I was so nervous, <laughs> but I just, I just figured it out. I just sorted it out. And I think I'll talk about that a little more, but after I get off this bridge. So, uh, Let's have a little editing break. I'll be back in a moment. All right, I stopped in at a Wendy's. Had a hamburger, <laughs> feel a little better. It's definitely less windy and less crazy now on this side of the river. But let's just wrap this up as I journey to another coffee shop stop in there, do a little more writing before I head home for the day. But okay, basically, so this story that I'm writing, it's a sci-fi story, takes place on an alien space station. And the idea for how this alien space station works, I kind of had the idea when I was playing this game, Kentucky Route Zero, which it's this five-part game, which as of this recording, the first four parts are out, and I actually still haven't played part four. I really should. But whatever, you know, I'll get to it. But it's this little narrative adventure game. And I like it because it's mostly about conversations. There are kind of puzzle elements, but they're not important. You know, like if you fail the puzzle too many times, the game will just continue on, which I like, because it's just not about that. And even narratively, it's the kind of thing I could easily see not liking. I feel like it's the kind of thing I normally wouldn't like because it's very bizarre. Very sort of magical realism. Everything's very strange. It's like on the one hand, kind of mundane, it's just about a delivery man going to these kind of normal places, but everything is weird and unusual and nothing quite works right. And the graphics are really minimalist and really awesome looking. 
And it's just weird. I honestly, if I had to describe the plot to you, I wouldn't be able to. Because it's more about, like, the feeling of it. And somehow they just pull it off. It's really cool. I like it a lot. Kentucky Route Zero, it's called. I, uh, I think it's worth trying if you like story-based video games. So there was this one part in Chapter 3 that was actually, from a gameplay perspective, one of the most annoying parts. I really didn't like it. Because I got stuck. And I just got stuck till the game finally just let me progress. I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. But I somehow ended up, like, under this big hill. And there were these people that lived inside the hill who had this ancient computer and the mold from inside this cave had combined with the computer and had rewritten a bunch of the circuitry so they couldn't predict what the computer was necessarily going to do anymore. It was this weird mix of biological and man-made. And I just loved that idea so much. I was like, all right, gonna steal that. <laughs> the classic, like, you know, most ideas come from somewhere else. Just put your own spin on them and fucking steal away. So that's how I decided that this space station was gonna work, is that the technology on this space station, it's like this ancient thing that developed alongside this species. So while they were just like this weird non-sentient race slowly developing into a sentient race at the same time there was this mold or fungus or whatever that grew alongside them and now it's what they use for all their technology like it's it's not just straight up mechanical tech but it's also not sentient in the way that they are it can't speak it doesn't have a language it doesn't have the same kind of will that they have, but it's not just mechanical. There's something to it. And I'm kind of like keeping it vague because even to them it's vague. You know, to them it's like learning how to whistle. Some people can easily whistle. I cannot. And I imagine like, what if I had to learn how to whistle? I've never whistled ever in my life. I just can't seem to do it. How long would it take me to learn how to whistle? That's how I think of this technology on their space station, is some people can interface with it easily. And then they use it, you know, like a fucking, you know, like the internet, they use it for information. They use it to turn on and off lights. They just use it for whatever. It's their all purpose, Wi-Fi, Siri, fucking whatever shit. But some people just can't get the knack of it. And it takes them years to figure out how to do even basic stuff. Kind of like I've heard that, uh, you know, in like uh, Mexico, or maybe with Portuguese also, but like the rolling of the R's. Like Alberto del Rio. You know, like there's people that just can't roll their R's. But if you're from Mexico, you got to do it. You got to figure out some kind of approximation of how to do it just to be able to talk the way other people are talking. That's kind of how I think of the technology on this station. Some people just got it. Some people don't. And it's also why the station to her, to the main character who's an outsider, seems so empty and so bland because these creatures are all living their lives on a meta level. You know, it's like if... Uh, 
somebody from the 70s came to now, they would walk around and go like, yeah, this all looks about the same. This seems pretty normal. But then they would slowly come to realize, like, what are these little things everyone has in their pockets that they're looking at all the time and realize that there's this whole invisible world of the internet that they had no idea about. So it's a similar situation here. So kind of the extent of my notes, I was saying that I had very few notes for this part of the story. Kind of the extent of them was just going to be that at some point, for some reason, the guy from the station is going to arrange for the outsider to try to learn how to interface with this thing. And it's not something that uh, outsiders do very often. And it's something that her species in particular, as far as they know, has never done. And he doubts it's going to work, but maybe it'll work a little, you know? Maybe she can just get the hang of it just enough to, like, at least ease the burden of her time on this ship. Maybe she can just, like, listen to music or check basic news or something. And then she's going to learn that she has massive control over this thing because, because it's its own thing, you know? Like... Because the technology, the mold, the fungus has its own weird will, it's going to turn out that it's kind of tired of the people that it's been attached to for all of these centuries and millennia. It's kind of over them. It doesn't like them. And when it gets a taste of her, it's like, that's, that's what I want. That's who I like. You're crazy. You're going to make things happen. You're going to change shit. I want to be with you. You know, like, what if somehow... Someday, somebody just logged onto the internet for the first time, and somehow the internet decided, like, you're my favorite. <laughs> you know? I like you better than everyone else. I am going to bequeath you the full power of the internet. That's kind of the idea. And there's limits to it. There's limits on both sides. Like, this is why this could happen, is because the alien species that you know, quote-unquote, owns this technology, they can't really control it. You know, they work in tandem because it has its own weird sort of sense of will. So when this shit starts happening, there's nothing they can do about it. They certainly never expected it, but as soon as that ball gets set into motion, there's no stopping it. But at the same time, this new person who now has greater control, much greater control over this power, still doesn't have full control. Like, she can't use this technology to kill anybody. It won't let that happen. If she sends some command that will cause someone to get hurt or to get killed, it's not going to work. So she suddenly has massive power, but not full power. But more than enough to fuck shit up. And that's basically it. That's all I had was just, that's how it's going to basically be. And this is going to lead to the grand climactic finale where basically, because this character starts the book as a war orphan, her planet got blown up, bad shit, down in the dumps, couldn't be in a worse place. Then she gets this power and through the information she receives from this power, she's going to learn that her host aliens, these people that have been putting her up in the station looking after her, that they knew about the cataclysm that was going to happen to her planet, and they didn't do anything. So she's going to freak the fuck out, <laughs> and shit's going to get crazy. 
basically, I mean, if you had to boil it down, I guess the, the theme of this story, the point of it is someone who feels powerless, who regains their sense of power through terrorism, basically, is what it is. But yeah, just really, I mean, so I've got all the major beats, I got all the major themes, but as far as specifics go, not much. But maybe I had more than I thought, because I guess just describing that, that stuff I just described, that was my idea of not enough notes. Just because I've got all those major themes and all the major beats of what's going to happen, I just don't have the specifics. The same way I had the specifics for the previous parts of the book. But I guess what I realized yesterday and today is like the, the fact, like maybe I had too many notes. Maybe I don't need as many notes as I thought I did. Because in that last section, I had all kinds of notes that I tossed away that I'm never going to use. I had way more than I needed. And then for this section, I was afraid that I didn't have enough. I felt really vulnerable, kind of exposed. I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen now? I don't have all the notes I'm used to having. But I didn't need those notes. I didn't even use them. So it was surprising to sit down today and start writing stuff out and to realize that I just had to make little tweaks. I just had to make little decisions about the specifics of how this character is going to get introduced to the mold technology. It's called the Ecomulon. In one of the early episodes, I talked about that. It's a name I stole from Star Control. But I had to rearrange the reason why she gets offered access to this thing, the specifics of how it's going to happen. And I decided, like, it's not going to take right away. There's going to be this initial big flare of, like, something weird definitely happened. Like, this, this fungal system definitely noticed her and recognized that something new had happened. But then it just disappears and retreats, and it seems like it didn't work. But she's going to get in this big fight, because I had this also this awesome big fight scene I'd forgotten all about that I started writing out, and I just realized it was too early in the story. Because there's very little, like, I don't want to take the shine off of violence in this story. Very little physical action. Very little violence. Because I want it to be super impactful. So I put aside that fight scene. And originally, it was going to be after this big fight scene where she gets beat half to death. Or stung half to death, because these aliens have, like, horrifying jellyfish things. And she had just, like barely survives that was going to be why she would get offered like hey we know you're having a real bad time maybe we can offer you this this fucking internet connection basically you can watch fucking movies and try to get your mind off things but instead i came up with a different reason for her to get offered the stuff more a little less dramatic than that and instead it's going to be the fight scene that's going to flare the Akamulon back to life. Like it's gonna, it recognized something in her initially, but then it's gonna recognize the full extent of what's going on after this fight scene. And whatever, I don't need to over explain it. The important thing is I know, I figured it out. And I love this, it was like two days maybe? Two days where I was like, yeah, I don't feel good about this. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then I sorted it out. Okay, I'm at the coffee shop. One more little break and then I'll wrap this up.
All right, second break over. Man, it's actually pretty calm now. Now that I've said that, maybe the wind will get all crazy again, but uh, yeah, just stopped, got another coffee, did another little bit of writing. But yeah, so I guess uh, what, what I've learned from this past week that is kind of cool and interesting to know is that I still think it's super important to have the basic structure of a story. Oh, there's the wind. It's super important to have the basic structure of a story and especially an ending in mind before you start. But beyond that, I guess I'm surprised to learn how how little you need beyond that, like how little of the specifics you really need. Because as long as you work on a story every day, that's when those details will be figured out. That's when all that stuff, you know, all that stuff kind of comes to life way more so in the moment than it would in your notes anyway. Because like I said, a lot of those notes that I had, they just weren't handy. They weren't useful. They were missing the point, you know. I wasn't focused on what I really needed at the time because I didn't know what I really needed at the time. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to realize, like, and you know, you can only learn these things like, you know, maybe some shit in this podcast will be handy, useful advice, I don't know, maybe something's neat, but really you got to learn all this stuff yourself. Like I'm learning all this stuff through doing, like that's the only way to really learn what works for you and what your technique is going to be and what work habits are going to carry you through to the end is trying stuff. There really was a long, long time in my life where I just was not meeting the minimum requirements of consistent work to learn what I needed to do, to learn what works for me. And uh, I've also noticed as far as these notes go, like I also started, so I've been working on this novel for like, you know, the last year. But then, you know, about six or seven months ago, I started working on a second story You know, like once I did my work on the novel each day, it's like, all right, now I'll start working on this other story. And that's going very slow. I'm really working slow on that because it's just the backup story anyway. And I had very few notes for it, like way less, like a tenth as many notes, if even. Maybe less than that. But it hasn't mattered so far. I haven't gotten stuck. It's been fine. And this experience with the main novel seems to kind of validate that that yeah maybe it's true like maybe i've got all the notes i need for that story maybe i had more notes than i needed for the novel so yeah maybe uh maybe a person doesn't need as many notes as i thought but i do still think that you very much need an ending you totally super need an ending and my example of that it's the same example i always bring up on this podcast but my first novel that i started writing back in like the year 2000 And I got stuck because I didn't have an ending. I didn't know where it was going and it all just kind of fell apart. And it's funny to look back through my notes. I've got like, okay, here's my 2005 ending. Here's my 2009 ending. Here's my 2013 ending. And to this day, I just don't have, like right now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I had one sort of kind of ending that I didn't hate. But then I took that whole character out of the story that was involved in the ending. So it's just like, I don't know. Like, I started without an ending, which is fine, whatever. It was the year 2000. I was just writing shit. It was still, you know, it was got a 
got to try, got to try stuff, see what works. But it's just funny that now I've got 18 years of proof that sometimes like that ending is not coming. There is no ending to that story. That story is just fucking fundamentally flawed. The ending is not coming, <laughs> you know? And I really feel like this is like, I always hear about, I remember Stephen King saying in that book on writing that he just writes and sees where it goes, which I think, yeah, sure, why not? Why not do that? But I do think he does it too much. Like, he doesn't have an end goal, and you can just tell, you know? It's not like I'm some kind of Stephen King expert, but I've read enough of his books to realize that they almost never end in a satisfying way. And I always think of him as the example of like why you should have an ending in mind so the hand of God doesn't need to reach down at the end of the stand and set off a nuke. And it's like, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? <laughs> you know? Or I was watching, because uh, I love the movie Ginger Snaps, one of my very favorite movies. So I watched this movie, American Mary, that uh, has the same lead actress, this Canadian horror movie. And it's the perfect example of a bad ending. I mean, it's not like it was great all the way through. Had a really good setup where it's this girl in uh, school to become a surgeon. And she has money problems and she falls into this weird underworld of extreme cosmetic surgery. And she starts doing surgery on people that just want to do crazy shit to themselves. And it's a really cool setup. But at the end, she just gets stabbed by the husband of one of her clients. And that's it. And it's like, well... Hooray, I guess. What the fuck was the point of that? And it's just like the whole time through a story, like it's not coincidence that stories start good and end in these disappointing ways because it's easy to start a story. Like at the start of a story, the world's your oyster. And we're all giving it the benefit of the doubt. And we're just like assuming that it's worth our time to pay attention to these different plot threads because surely they'll all come together. But you can't know that they're not going to come together till the end. And then at the end, it's just like, I guess that's how bad an ending is. How much does it compound? How far back do you need to go? You know, where you're like, whoa, those last 20 minutes didn't work. Or you're like, whoa, those last 50 minutes didn't work. You know, like, where did this thing get off track? What the fuck? But you can never be sure that it's off track till the end. And then you know. <laughs> but I also kind of think, uh, as a little side thing, I also think it kind of helps that I only do a little bit of writing each day. I think that really helps with this, like, not having enough notes situation. Or just like that I never run into writer's block. I really think it's just because... I'm not asking that much of myself. I've like given myself permission to go slow. Like to uh, get myself back on track in this new section of this story, it took me two or three days, which maybe, like to me that's fine. So what, two or three days, let's just keep on grinding. But I think there's a lot of people that would consider that writer's block. You know, they would consider that too slow. Like that quote I brought up last episode about uh, I hate writing but I love having written. I looked that up and it's been attributed to a few different people. But like one of them was some dude who uh, 
He was like chastising himself because he didn't get enough done. And it's like over the past five years I've written three novels. Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe over the past three years he wrote five novels. I don't know. But he was like, I don't consider myself a very hardy writer. I write a mere three hours a day. Three hours a day is insanity. That is so much work. And of course you hate writing if you are doing it for three hours a day. That is way too much. That's insane. That's a once in a while thing. That's not a daily routine. Three hours a day, you psychopath. And what good did it do you? I don't even know your name. I don't know if you put out three novels or five novels. I don't know what these novels are. No one knows, no one cares. The only reason you're remembered at all is this stupid fucking quote. You fucked up, my dead friend. You pushed yourself way too hard. You thought that's what you're supposed to do. And you just made a bunch of garbage that nobody liked. And even you didn't enjoy doing it because your stupid fucking quote is that you don't like being a writer. You fucking moron. And then apparently that same quote was also attributed to George R.R. R. Martin, which does not surprise me in the least, because yeah, he writes those huge ass fucking Song of Ice and Fire books, which can fuck themselves. We used to have one of those in my old apartment in Toronto, and we would just like, I don't know, it was one of, one of my roommate's friends, like, he's like, you gotta read it, man, Game of Thrones, you gotta read it. So we just had it around the apartment, and we would just pick it up sometimes and read random passages to make fun of how shitty it is. I don't care if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you probably are, because who isn't? That thing can fuck off, man. That thing sucks. It sucks. I bailed out on that show on like the third episode, because I could just feel the aimlessness and the pointlessness. It's like a thick, heavy molasses <laughs> just coating it. Of like this story doesn't know what it is, it doesn't know where it's going, it's not gonna go anywhere. And then years later, who was right? I was right, assholes! I was right! It went nowhere! It has no point! So it doesn't surprise me at all that George R.R. R. Martin also hates writing but likes having written. Cause like, who fucking writes these long ass books where all the characters just die for no particular reason? Ugh! <laughs> They're fucking slogs. They're miserable. So of course it would be miserable to write them. Anyway, at this point I'm just rambling and uh, insulting things that everyone loves. Because as recently chronicled by me, I hate them. I hate all that shit. All that garbage that you think is good. I hate it. I hate it. It sucks. All right. I don't know if you can tell, but I just drank a shitload of coffee. So let's wrap this up. Song of the day, let's listen to Je T'aime Tant by Julie Delphi. It's the song that plays in the credits of uh, Before Sunset. It's a real good song. It's especially good if you know French. How's that for pretentious? Think I'm not pretentious enough yet? This song has good French lyrics. A douleur et désir sont synonymes de mon plaisir. I will talk to you next time. Goodbye.
forcément j'attends toujours perdante tu me tourmentes et tes Je t'aime tant, je t'aime tant, pourtant. 